Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Figure Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, and guess what, folks? We got somebody in-house, and it's not just your average run-of-the-mill guest. No, no, no. Adam from Pop Culture Classroom has finally been able to work us into his busy schedule. Con season is on top of us. We are in the heat of October. The heat. The the heat of 60-degree days outside (laughs) in flannel shirts. I know, it was like cold this morning, and then like now it's like balmy. It's like, holy crap. Just Denver being Denver. Yes, you know? it yes. is. Before we get into it, our sponsor is Suzy Q's, the maker of fine jewelry, who is doing the contour right now. She will be out in Vegas this weekend, and in fact, she will be at the it's not the pop culture classroom con anymore. It is Fan Expo, and we're here to talk with Adam about the changes, everything that's gone on with Pop Culture Classroom, geekdom in general, and the con season that we thought was defunct, that slips us a Mickey, and suddenly, <laughs> here we go, we're going to get in a mini-con just for the sake of it. Before all of that, though, uh, I'll let Adam say something, because I've just been doing all the talking. <laughs> yeah, well, I just wanted to say I'm really excited to be here, and thanks for the opportunity to kind of chat today. And of course! catch up with what we've been doing at Pop Culture Classroom. We've got a lot of exciting things in the mix I'm glad we get a chance to talk about, and get to kind of dish a bit about all the con stuff that's been going on as well. Um, and so thanks again for having me. Of course. Yeah. Um, so, and it's funny because Adam and I were talking about this before we, I, we started, and I'm like, it's very rare in the comic book world, in the con world in Colorado, that I don't know somebody. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really, I've never met Adam. And I, I almost feel that, that that's a fault on my part. <laughs> I mean, I know everybody else over there, you know, Tone, uh, Chris Angel, of course, Bruce McIntosh, uh, McIntyre. McIntosh? McIntyre. McIntosh, yeah. yeah, McIntosh. That was right the first time. Um, and I know everybody over there, but I don't think our paths have ever crossed because you have been involved in a very fundamental foundation for what DCC was. And mm-hmm. this was for the kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny because you tell me where you were, and I was like, Oh, yeah, I had no reason to go over there because you're dealing with the children. The children, yes. (laughs) So what, I mean, your first year of the con for Denver Comic Con, you were there. I was not there for the first year. Okay. Um, I joined in about year three. Okay. Um, So, you know, my history with the organization started uh, about 2013, 2014. I actually came in as an outreach teacher. So I was in, oh, okay. I was out in schools and community centers teaching how to read and write through comics to kids who were in, you know, underserved populations, at-risk groups. And so um, luckily enough, um, as I kind of came into the organization, our education department was growing. Okay. Um, and as a lot of folks probably know or who may be listening or maybe not know is that, you know, Denver Comic Con, Denver Pop Culture Con was founded on this idea of a fundraising entity. Correct. Which is, was built to raise funds to help art, literacy, self-expression, critical thinking, all sorts of learning skills and objectives with kids and adults. So that was kind of my, my priority for um, the last you know, five or six years with the organization is really bringing those to the surface in the community and finding ways to engage kids in all sorts of things around pop culture. So that was the mantra. It, yep. was, it was to teach literacy to children. And I, knowing from personal experience, mm-hmm. Uh, my vocabulary and my learning um, reading level jumped light years because of comics. Right. I mean, uh, I remember reading like Spider-Man and, and going through, and they never, they never played down. They, ne- they always, like, they would put stuff in there specifically for the curious or, okay, what, what does this mean? I mean, there are times I would go to my parents, and I'm like, what does this word mean? And they would just... I, we're going to introduce you to the dictionary. And, I mean, that's basically <laughs> how it went. Um, so I can understand how easy and approachable, especially when you're dealing with comics, a visual medium. Mm-hmm. Um, d- did you find this as easy and as approachable with children and kids? Or how did that – because it's an entirely different generation now. It's the digital age. Right. 
Well, I mean, like what we talk about a lot at Pop Culture Classroom is, you know, students are really born and raised in this uh, multimedia generation right mm -hmm. now. So you're you're having an iPod or an iPad or a Android tablet in your hand, you know, at one, two, three years old. So this sort of combination of text and image, this is what students are growing up with. And so just trying to like leverage that to engage them in other topics, whether it be history, science, technology, math. Um, and so kind of thinking of literacy, like building up their literacy around anything from space travel to, um, you know, the science of physics to, you know, actual like context clues around like reading, you know, how do I, right. what can comics give me that can help me understand this word? Um, and th one thing we talk about a lot is for students, um, there's so many layers of comics, you know, and like you're mentioning, you've got the images, the text, the captions, facial expressions, body language, all of that being pulled together to help a student understand what's happening or, you know, have that kind of unique learning experience in and out of the classroom. And so you hear stories from all across the world and especially, you know, for those folks who've been reading comics about, you know, this is the way they learn to read. This is what right. inspired them to be creative. This is what led them down the path of um, becoming what they are today. And so we really try and just ramp that up and leverage kind of those comics and board games and cosplay and all the pieces of pop culture to engage students and really give them a way to express themselves and connect with their teachers and parents and each other in a really unique way. So do you think, or I want to I phrase this question appropriately because yeah. it, I find it absolutely fascinating um, that you guys tackle so many genres when it comes to pop culture. Because, I mean, you're mm -hmm. not limited to just comics like right. you said you, you the board games which are crucial because that that de that deals with so many things on like adding uh, strategy working with others okay. uh it, you know working on that and then you have the cosplay element mm -hmm. which is more of the creative and the visual and is there one group that is easier to work with than another group you mean a group of like 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 students? cosplayers versus yes the style of students. So you have like your cosplayer group, right. your your board game group. Because I mean, you're doing more than just introducing this to them. You're showing them how mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really kind of a, we call it pop culture. Like I I say it in a positive way, like the lowest common denominator of connection. So right. Everybody has. Their Everybody's favorite. a nerd. Everybody's a geek. Everybody's a geek about something. Cooking, um, you know, uh, space <laughs> space travel. Uh, you know, for those folks who are over twenty one, it yeah. might be alcohol. You know, the the you know, I play, for example, like sports, and so I have some sports geekdom built into me. Absolutely. So, you know, really, it's meeting kids where they're at and showing them that the things that they are really excited about and think are cool outside the classroom actually have these un like these really exciting ways to, to teach them that next level of whether it be reading, writing, um, critical thinking, self-expression, right. all those things that you mentioned. So we don't really see that like one group is attracted to one thing, but right. what pop culture allows is that you can blend cosplay or comics or board games into kind of anything that's happening in any classroom. And so these kids are so excited just to have the chance to you know, see something that they really care about or is meaningful to them at home or with their friends, suddenly that's in the classroom. It's building trust between them and their teacher. It's connecting them to their peers. And that just gives them like that extra opportunity to learn those new things or engage with folks that they may otherwise not engage with. And so it's just a really cool opportunity to, again, bring those, those folks together and give them a new way to think about how, um, you know, they can connect and other, other things like professions, like careers that they can have. The, and a lot of it, I mean, a seamstress. I mean, mm -hmm. I think of um, probably the most successful cosplayer, Yaya Han, yeah. who, like, no doubt about it, the most skilled cosplayer. And I know people will at me on that one. But, <laughs> I mean, the woman has her own fabric line. Yep. Uh, I yeah. mean, and, just, and it's all from crafts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of students are, are really raised in this standardized testing world where everything is very one track where, you know, you're, you're a STEM kid, you go through, you're going to be an engineer, a business major later in life. And here's your trade. Take the mop. And we try. Good luck. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not the mop. But, but, you know, we all we need everybody. Everybody in, is equal. Yes. Everyone has a chance to sort of, you know, be part of this exciting world of uh, professions. But um, that being said, like showing them and demystifying some of the things like I think about a movie like Shang-Chi um, right. which I don't know if anyone's seen I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure a lot of it. viewers have seen it and 
the levels of complexity around the costume design in there or um, the settings and the, and the CGI. The culture, the, the culture, history, all of that. The diverse representation. And, and a lot of students think that that or a comic just kind of fully emerges out of someone's head, you know? Like James Cameron in Avatar, he just it just exists one day, and you know the idea is is we try and speaking. He was a janitor. He I, was, yeah. he was a janitor before he was discovered. So yeah. yes, just maybe drawing like Avatar characters on a whiteboard. Someone <laughs> discovered him one day. <laughs> uh, uh, Goodwill Hunting style. Goodwill, uh, yeah. <laughs> How uh, about those? <laughs> oh, never mind. I'm not going to go with that joke. Never mind. We'll go on. Go on. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, but I was going to say, you know, trying to show them that all of these people who are working towards that common goal and collaborating together and cooperating to build this really unique, meaningful thing that makes a cultural impact. Right. And to turn their brains from consuming to creating. Right. And participating in the process of creation is just such a, it's such a great way to inspire them to take on, like, you know, to, to I want to learn how to be a better writer. I want to learn how to be a better reader. I want to learn how to be a better artist because I see that I can shape some of this cultural experience that I am currently like really enjoying and wanting to be a part of. And so that is how you kind of get people to start to transform their, you know, you start to see how transformations happen in communities and classrooms around pop culture because these students become motivated and engaged and they see that all of these things that come together and feel kind of magical on right. the page or on the screen are being brought together by people just like them working in an office or a classroom just like theirs. And they suddenly see a path or an opportunity for them to become like those creators themselves. Well, and, and you being a sports guy, you can understand the analogy of, you know, nothing gets you in the game like playing. Yeah, yeah. So, and and I, when I was a, a trainer and all of that, I really did find a lot of joy and excitement from getting someone engaged. And you see that, that, that epiphany, that mm -hmm. moment that it hits them and they're all like, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, and they and there's nothing quite like. I mean, that is that is a euphoric high that you are not going to lose. <laughs> yeah. And I think that second level of that is is really what pop culture classroom does is we try and give the educators like the tools and the training and the and the opportunities to bring those things into the classroom so they can do those things with the students and so kind of like the coach, right? Right. You know, having those opportunities, the models, you know, um, the curricular units or the lesson plans, whatever it might be that help them, you know, maybe you're not familiar with the full Marvel comics, gold, silver, and, and bronze age, right. but, you know... You can appreciate it's still the same. You can appreciate especially when you see the way that it connects with students and engages them and gets them thinking beyond just that one topic in the classroom, but I want to write this full comic about this, or I want to build a board game, or I want to just be part of this world and be more engaged with people like me. Now, how big are your class sizes? Because, I mean, I would – are you guys still over by Mile High Stadium? Yes, we're down at Fifth and Federal. That's where our right. offices are. Um, so we have a really wide range of things that we do. So, you know, our workshops can be for kids, and it can be 5 to 10 kids in a room, mm -hmm. up to 200 kids, and we even do things for adults. Um, so, you know – Aw, even think of us. I know. Some wow. professional development, you know – helping people kind of figure out what it is about pop culture that works and how to use it. Um, and then just kind of showing them that there are these really low-hanging fruits um, that you can kind of grab onto and bring into the classroom that even if you don't know comics, you don't know board games, you've got stuff out there that is really easily attainable and really easy to kind of bring into that conversation with your students, even if they aren't really super psyched about board games or, or really interested in comics, you know, then you kind of turn their brains onto that and you know as we all know and you know once you're on it you don't really stop typically you don't <laughs> yeah. and and it's kind of funny cuz um from the, the the comic book side you always have those people i i never know where to start mm -hmm. i don't i don't i don't want to pick it up and be lost and yeah. it's really not a question of being lost you you realize that the issues are so self-contained but the the overarching story usually gets explained through the story that they're telling. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of engaging that way. And board games, Axis and Allies all day, baby. I mean, <laughs> I, get me get me an Axis game and I will play until they are crushed. <laughs> yeah. And like all the little, you know, all the things that go into that game, like the history of yeah. it and, and the context of like fascism. And you can really bring all those things to the surface. Or you can just have fun, play a game that, that, that makes you feel like, 
you're part of that community or you're I just like building so. boats. I mean, yeah. I just I just want a fleet of destroyers, you know, going into yeah. into the harbor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those board games, I mean, they're the really cool thing is that context and and that's the same thing around any comic. The context and the intention by which they're built. If you can really pull that apart and start looking at each individual the dichotomy piece, of it all, yeah. even the art, you know, how is the art bringing the game into a better experience for folks and who's doing that art and what could you do to improve it or what would you want to see as you know some additions to this thing and so we try and bring that into the conversation with students and educators as well because we're trying to get them to really think critically about how these were designed and then what impact they're supposed to be having so then you can begin to think well I can do this you know right. this isn't so hard you just have to start start at step one so is there a more difficult age group because I mean at some point I mean even coming from, you know, back in my day, you had the, the jocks and the nerds and the geeks, <laughs> and, you know, they I, I don't have time for that kind of stuff. Is there a, a more difficult age range than another, or any, I mean, do you find everyone pretty receptive overall now, given the environment and what Marvel's done for the last decade? I think everyone is receptive to some element of pop culture. I think as you get older, you know, sometimes the jadedness comes in or, you know, you get very opinionated, <laughs> that, as we that, all know. Nerd. Yeah. We've all seen fan <laughs> communities, like, turn and cannibalize on themselves. They have. They, they are vicious. They are vicious. Um, but I would say it's all about just meeting students where they're at. So, you know, for a younger class, they might like a really simple comic or something like Calvin and Hobbes. Right. But as you move up into costume design with middle school and high schoolers, or maybe you're building a game with them that's more complex, that's more like a Settlers of Catan versus Candyland. Right. So the cool thing about, again, pop culture, whether it be you know that costume design games, comics, um, video games even, is there's usually a level of engagement for every, you know, these folks who are designing these things are very smart. They want to create these, these students as lifelong fans, lifelong consumers, advocates for what they're doing. And so they make sure that, that there's always something kind of for a that buy-in for level. it, right? Yeah. And so we just, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about what are the best resources and things to bring into a middle or a high school or an elementary school classroom, or, you know, what's something really easy, you know, what's an easy pickup comic or an easy pickup game that a teacher can bring into their spaces? And they don't need to know the entire history of how Settlers of Catan was built and all the different <laughs> mods and versions of it, but it's just about they know how this game can work and what it's going to do to teach them about, you know, cooperation all the way to, like, let's talk about feudalism. Let's talk about, you know, indentured servitude back in the 1800s or something like that. Well, all, all I saw things, when yeah. I saw, like, uh, Settlers of Catan was like, hey, it's the Oregon Trail in paper form. Yep. I, I remember dying on that game <laughs> more times than, like, making it home. So, I mean, uh, I get it. And that's the thing. I mean, we think about how much we learned about traveling across the country in, you know, olden times to the Oregon Country Trail and all the, the hunting and what it took to survive and all of that is sort of built into our, you know, for, for our generation, our collective consciousness, but you don't really sometimes think about it until you start to pick apart the different elements. Right. And so, um, I even think about mo the games like Number Crunchers or like really <laughs> those cool games and you know, yeah. a way to just teach math in a way that, you know, I remember having a ton of fun playing Number Munchers, but and I also know all the prime numbers up to, like, 100-plus because yeah. I just memorized them from number munchers for so long. <laughs> well, and you had the knob so you could be fast on the game, and right. that was, you know, like playing gin. I mean, I remember playing gin yeah. with kids that were just, like, like slapjacks, you know, <laughs> slapjacks. like, wham! I'm like, damn, I lost a finger on that one. Crap. Yeah. So you've got, like, social-emotional learning. You've got um, leadership skills being built for, like, you know, collaborating on a game. Or you've just got, like, art and literacy skills that right. are being built. So. Like you said, the, the difficult populations, I would say, like, as students get older, they tend to be more, um, uh, they tend to be more opinionated. They tend to have more specifics of what their geekdom or nerddom is. They're right. less of that omnivore. You know, they're very specific. So we try and find things that are kind of all-encompassing. So, like, for a, a high school classroom where maybe we have a bunch of different students come from different backgrounds, you know, there might be an opportunity to to build a uh, comic character, but also to design a costume around that character, but also to write a story around that character, and then even create that character into a gameplay element. You know, right. what are their powers? What are their bonuses? What are their how many points do they have to use for this thing? And so that's their dexterity. Oh, damn! It, I it, I got hit. <laughs> it all yeah, it all feeds into itself, and it's this really cool like melting pot. And like I said, it it there is very few students who come to the table or come into their classroom not having at least that you know, 
base level understanding of what a comic board game or what it is and often what their favorites are and what, right. what they'd like to do and you just kind of you build off that foundation so and you brought this up and one of the things that like really stood out to me in in the years past mm-hmm. um, for dcc pcc uh, was creating your own comic book, mm-hmm. you, you and you guys printed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys saw it uh, from concepts to to story to completion, yep. which was I mean it, that's 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 a spectacular. There are like artists today that can't even get that done, and you're taking a whole classroom on that trip. Yeah, yeah I mean it's you know the idea is typically a six panel comic or um, something along those lines that tells a story of, that addresses a problem in the world. Um, and students can choose a community problem, a national problem, a world problem, and sometimes a really non-intimidating, welcoming way to invite students in that conversation is to say, what would your superhero do to address this? Right. Or what would your superhero team do? And then you can start to build on that, okay, well, let, why was the X-Men created? What were they speaking to at the time? What was the problem that they were addressing? Right. What was Superman created for? I mean, you look at the first image, one of the first images of Superman is him punching out a Nazi. You look at X-Men coming out when it did around, you know, LGBTQ plus or, you know, discrimination issues that were coming through at the time. And so, you know, you start to show them that this isn't just a fun, just a fun comic reading experience, that there was a message behind this, this narrative. There was something that the authors or creators were trying to convey. Right. Um, and then they have that power too. And, when you look at X-Men now, you look at how much impact and, and how much it has transformed some of the ways we see our world or even see the differences between us. And, and that's a cultural impact that cannot be understated. And it's something that, you know, I'm sure the comic book writers at the time weren't necessarily thinking about as like, this is the 30 year down the road future we'd right. like to see. But, you know, you show them that that is where all this started, and it starts to begin to motivate that kind of thinking process. Well, and it. It, and it's funny because when you bring up X Men, you know, when when Stanley conceived them and and was tackling you know equality and and racial issues, and the funny thing is that it, for all of the voice and everything that we we've given to that, it's it's still. I mean, it's better, mm-hmm. but it still hasn't changed. Right, it's still there, and in fact, it's it's. Um, compounded even more now that with like you said we have you know the lgbq plus community now that identifies with that kind of equality and fighting for those levels of recognition mm-hmm. and it i think it is a great way to bring about um social awareness and um teaching children that it's okay to be accepting of everything mm-hmm. you know education is where understanding begins right and and i think that the comics is a great way to bring that across because there's so many stories there's so many venues to relay that um that poignant you know issue and 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 we we can only change the world through education and through reaching the young as they come up they can be like well this is how it's supposed to be guys stan stan lee had it right you know we (laughs) we don't see color this is this is this is a person Mm -hmm. this is a human this is Okay, so he's got a third eye, but you know what? He can see better. Let's let's give that guy a third sunglass. Let's let's get that guy taken care of. <laughs> I mean, and you think about Stanley, you know, or or the creators of these comics. You know, they were very um, smart. They were very intentional about like we're going to create this space to have these conversations, but also this is going to be something that we're going to fan about. You know, we're going to be exactly. excited about. So when people bring that into, you know, when it's on a bookshelf at home or something, you know, maybe they're not realizing that that's kind of some of the messages or the intention, but that opens up the opportunity to have those conversations with those students where maybe if you hand them an essay about, like, discrimination in the workplace circa, you know, blah, 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 that's a tougher ask for a student to understand, critically think about, and discuss that, whereas when we can talk about you know, what are we seeing in X-Men that represents what kind of is happening in your lives or the right. world today? Suddenly, you know, I open, eyes open and they realize that, you know, this is a chance for them to really speak to something very personal to them, but also something that maybe is affecting the world around them, the world that they're, they're seeing in the classroom or maybe in home or something they're really concerned about. Um, no, and, that, and it's a great way to give them a voice. How are how do the teachers, because, I mean, it, it's obvious you need someone that's kind of focused in on this. I mm-hmm. mean, you just can't go and, you know, pick a three-year grad student and say, here, uh, here's the latest Captain <laughs> America. Good, good luck. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, our, our job at Pop Culture Classroom is really to build the bridge. So, you know, um, sometimes, as we say, like, uh, someone like an educator will be halfway across the bridge. They'll be a fan already. Right. Or they'll be excited about comics and board games or cosplay. But sometimes they'll be on the other side, on the other shore, and we have to kind of build the bridge all the way across. So right. that's why we have, like, educational comics that we publish that are about historical topics or figures from throughout history who maybe aren't in the traditional textbooks. Um, you know, we do um, curriculum development. We have a two curricular units that teach students how to build their own games and their own comics from scratch, like mm. you mentioned. Right. Um, and then we have, you know, resources for educators, so everything from blog posts to um, lesson plans to teaching guides that are there just to help them have that platform to bring these because, to bring these into classrooms, because often it's just that first step of bringing it into the conversation with students that builds that trust. It shows students, like, oh, this person's seeing where I'm at and what I'm interested in, and now they want to, like, actually find a way to make that part of this experience. And that's like a really transformational thing that we try and help make happen in classrooms, both from a kind of a um, indirect standpoint by handing off these things to folks. Right. But Empowering also them. we have a crew of teachers. We have an education department that is entirely motivated by this idea of how do we elevate this discussion around pop culture and how do we bring into these classrooms ourselves these experiences um, you know, example being like last year we went into um, a youth services center, so an okay. incarcerated youth center, and we taught a comic book course there that tried to wow engage students in this idea of building or reading stories that have different perspectives. Um, so everything from mouse to um, different books. That's, that's a deep read. Yeah. So these are like, you know, <laughs> high school level students. Um, but thinking like how are comics different than what you've maybe seen you know, in the past, something right. unique. And then how, what is your story that you want to tell? You know, and, and I think a lot of the times giving them that sense of control over their own story, um, the idea, like we said, turning from consumers to creators, consumers to advocates for the form right. is a way to like really get these students thinking about how they can also become those people who are like stepping out and making change wherever it might be. Because you guys have been doing a lot of different events across town. I know you work very closely with um, Hall of Justice, mm -hmm. uh, and Jonathan and his team over there are great. absolutely spectacular. And Jonathan is, is is a great guy. We've mm -hmm. had him um, on the – I mean, we've known Jonathan for years since he was, you know, just doing shows before the, the store and all right. of that. So uh, do you do a lot of group – with other organizations and other stores or how does how does that work when you guys are looking at something like hey, we need to be part of part of this and we want to partner with these guys yeah we do a lot of different work around like community events so you know we run so the the one that you mentioned we ran um what was called pop up mm -hmm. which is like you know pop up right so a little <laughs> play on the pop culture Opa! Platform, you know <laughs> toots our own horn uh, <laughs> we are so creative clever. people we figured it out um but the idea being like we um we ran a event down at parker arts and cultural center um or parker arts and culture entertainment center i should say um, right and um we basically did this entire event that was just highlighting local organizations um, who were doing things around pop culture, Ring Wings Over the Rockies, Hall of Justice Comics, um, you know, people like the Colorado Ballet even, who were doing superhero dance moves. Um, so learning how to dance like a superhero. So again, there's these opportunities how to connect. How does Captain America dance? I, really, I mean, does, does yeah. Cap dance? Well, the, I, <laughs> well, I think the idea of like the dance battle that they have in one uh, of the movies and like okay. leveraging that kind of oh, thing. Oh, the for, dance off in Guardians of the Galaxy. Exactly. So thinking, how do we do those dance moves? And then Ronan the Accuser won. Everyone is saying that Ronan won that fight. I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately for Star-Lord, but just saying. I mean, he won the dance battle. I think he lost the war, though, <laughs> he right? He did. Yeah. He uh, just got served <laughs> up on the end of that. Yeah. Um, but we, we try and bring our other these, these organizations to really again, show what pop culture can do from all different perspectives. Um, so we run our own events. And then, for example, we also involve ourselves with um, events that are happening all throughout the community. So partnering with, like, Canvas Credit Union at their Heroes Fest right. um, a couple weekends ago, which is recognizing and celebrating, like, first responders. Mm -hmm. So we did a, a workshop where students were creating a character that was a first responder comic character. And they oh, had to write wow. a little story about that character. So That's cool. What does a first responder do? What would their superpowers be? What tools do they need to accomplish their goals? What is their mission? What sidekicks might they have? And right. so... 
you start to tease apart all these different things that go into being a first responder and suddenly students are enjoying the process and also learning a lot about like how how maybe they could become a first responder or just like you know understanding what it means to be in that role a little bit better that's a and that's a big role i mean being a first responder is a very it's a heavy role i mean that's a big important role they're there even before the firefighters and every and the cops show up first responders are crucial to a lot of immediate medical needs so especially last year and a half yeah hats off to the first responders i have friends and i've done ride-alongs and it's eye-opening when you finally like get in there and and expose children to that is it's great because what i always what red and i and a lot of everyone on 5280 geek has always pursued is not talking down to children right we we explain it to them we treat them they're smaller adults we, we little adults, but we do treat them like they're adults. We just explain it to a point where they get it. Right. And that is, the, I think, the more important thing. Don't talk down to them. Explain it to them. Yeah, and, and comics and, like, graphic novels and board games offer that really in, nice and easy inroad. Um, it's very welcoming, inviting. You know, if I hand someone a, a two-paragraph article, you know, not, maybe not two-paragraph. Well, that's a very short article. I was going to say, uh, um, <laughs> a that's like page, a text note. <laughs> yeah, two-page article about, like, um, you know, for example, um, uh, I think about, like, Mouse again. If I hand yeah. them, here's a chapter of a textbook about World War II, or I hand them Mouse, and I say, you know, let's, which one of those is more exciting to you? Which one really, you know, and they both contain the same level of complexity, subject matter, you know, really touching on, like, all the atrocities, but also some of the hope that came out of those experiences. A lot of hope. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, what often ends up being is that a reading prose text or, or reading a textbook can feel like work. It's just a triggering thing for a lot of students. This is standardized testing world. So reading and analyzing a five-paragraph essay can sometimes not be the most engaging or inviting thing, but you hand them a colorful, exciting character-driven comic or graphic novel or you put a board game piece in their hand and you say we're going to learn by playing here we're going to learn about worldwide health by playing pandemic well and it can it can be intimidating especially when you're dealing with subject matter because i remember um friends that were with me and and they were intimidated by well i don't know how to do that Mm -hmm. and and it wasn't so much like well i know how to why don't you know it was more of like well, why, why don't, what, what's intimidating about it, you know, mm-hmm. and you try to discern that, and you try to do the breakthrough, um, but, and I think that's the bridge that you guys are doing so crucial work in helping the community and kids, because that, that, there's two things in this world I always want to try to help, kids and pets. Yep. I mean, those are the, the, they're defenseless, they're impressionable, and they, they basically emulate what, what they're around and what they learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, and I think that giving them, like when you think of even about like a uh, comic and you think about the fully formed people that kind of show up in comics or a movie or a film or television piece or a video game, you know, right. these are characters that show leadership skills, that show something that we can model after versus, you know, I can hand a student, again, a, a, a short chapter about George Washington or, you know, even a more modern character that might show up in a... A, you know, in another way in a comic or, you know, something like that. But, you know, what they're seeing on the page or what they're experiencing in the movie or the film or TV or what they're playing through as a kind of participate in the board game will shape, will, will motivate them and give them more to kind of cling to in terms of what they want to be in the future. So it's really like um, kind of, I like to call it like the closed circle where they're actually like right. feeding off of that and building and then it's, it gets them excited to, to read again or to play again or to watch that movie again because they've made that connection right. with that character or that topic. Yeah. So if um, I can ask, you, you don't have to discern this, mm-hmm. um, but is there like one success story or one student that you, you, you don't have to give names or anything, mm-hmm. but this is the situation, uh, that you're like holy holy moly that you're like this is i can't believe or like the the biggest success that you personally witnessed because um, you yeah. i know you you've worked a lot with um, multiple groups of teens and i know after a while just like us your, your teachers see so many people come through yeah but is there one that just stands out to you and you're like you know this will this will always this will always touch me or always have an impact I actually have two, but I'll, I'll talk through the first one, and then we'll see if we have okay. time for this. Okay. We got all the time in the world. I run the show. Okay, I mean, there you go. PJ is fine. He's propped up in the corner. Okay, we're good. 
So the first one is I was actually teaching um, at a school out in Sun Valley, um, which is one of the more underserved at-risk populations, you know, really like just directly south of the um, Mile High Stadium. Right. Um, and we were working with the student, the student group of, I think, fourth to sixth graders. And um, we had final comics show and tell. And each of the students was asked to, again, address a problem they see in their community right. through their comic. Um, and one of the students had a comic about um, their finding a gun. And oh, seeing, wow. And seeing gun violence in, like, out their window. And, right. And like, like, it's every, every morning you're waking up to it. Right. And... Um, and this was clearly a real thing that, that had happened to them because we, we started the conversation and you know they, we had asked them just to talk about anything they felt comfortable with, but he had created a character to address this issue and the character was like a, a superhero character that you know, kind of knew what to do um, and would go out and break up the fights. And so um, it was this really transformational experience for me. It was one of my first um, experiences teaching comics to this this group of students and actually right. like um, connecting with them over these comics and we sat down and we had a 30 minute conversation about what do you do what can we do as as students to help change our community to right. to address gun violence to address violence and I mean I'm having these conversations with a fifth grader and having deep intellectually stimulating conversations about their worries about the world they're seeing out the window and what they would do if they had the chance to do it and suddenly they, you can just see the light bulbs going off of like, I do have the power to change this. I can be the superhero in my community. I can make these things happen. All right. And I, that was like five years ago. I don't know where that student is now, but I, I, I hope that they carry that knowledge kind of forward and kind of saw themselves as more of a participant, more of an active member of the community. Because I think, again, it all comes down to that sense of feeling often out of control or that you're at the short end of the stick and you're not able to change things. Right. And superheroes are... For, for what they for always know what to do they always want to change things there's right. always a crisis a conflict and um, there's always something to kind of um, be not necessarily be against but to to position yourself kind of as the um, you're going to fix this problem or this issue right have and, there been a lot of delicate situations I mean I, I guess I didn't really think about it but I mean given the the neighborhoods and and the at-risk people mm-hmm. and children that you're you're working with have there been a lot of like close calls or situations that you're like wow that 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 escalated quickly I wouldn't say there's been close calls like I think we try and provide a really safe space to have right. these conversations it's just when this what the students bring to the table in terms of what's on their mind because you know in that same class for example we had a student writing about uh, the main character was um a um a stock of broccoli and their superhero was chopping broccoli this this young girl had had um some issues around her weight and she had some concerns around her weight and so, so body images she created right. a superhero um to sort of battle against the candy demons because they were the ones that she <laughs> that, is that were always that she was always attracted to or that maybe she knew were not necessarily the right. things that she wanted to see out there um or the things that she wanted to be involved in and she didn't have a chance to really like you know, speak into what that fight might look like. And so she, she had this amazing comic that was, you know, the Broccoli Stock Avenger. Um, wow. But, See, and that is so freaking clever. Yeah. And, wow. And that's um, something that comes up a lot in these classes and these programs is, you know, whether it's, you know, them tackling a difficult subject in their community or, you know, creating a board game on the periodic table. It's something they may be having some trouble with that they can kind of have this unique inclusive welcoming space to tackle to deal that with they're trying to, to work to through. unravel so what i find is that actually it de-escalates some of those issues because it separates them from the personal part of it right. by giving them a persona an alter ego to okay. battle and also or maybe it's the alter ego as a board game character or maybe it's a comic character or maybe it's someone they're designing a costume around but it always kind of links back to that central core idea of most pop culture, which is trying to solve a problem that affects more than just the me. Right. Um, you, know, you know, most of, like, Avengers movies, it's not like, well, Tony Stark's lo- going to lose his fortune. we got to go fight Ultron to get, it, get his bankroll back. You know, it's, it's about... That's, that's a current Batman title, yeah, right? That's, that story that's right the now. Batman for... <laughs> Batman lost his p- superpower. What was it? Money. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's probably got some accounts in the Cayman. He's got somewhere. a yeah, there's yeah. there's a Cayman Islands there's account. There's a Cayman Islands. Don't account. don't kid yourself. There's always a there's always something, yeah. <laughs> um, so, how often do the classes run, and what is like the length or the duration of those of those classes? Oh man, we're running classes like all week, every week. Um, you know, oh, wow. So basically, we might have upwards of four to five classes going on in a week. Um, they can last from a two-hour one-time experience where maybe we go in a library and we do a quick, um, you know quick board game kind of play along and hey here's some ideas for how to create your own to you know 13 to 16 week courses that that lead students from you know here's what a comic is to how to build your own to um, let's actually have these you know reviewed and and discussed by professional artists so we can give you some feedback um, and maybe help you build a better script or help you understand maybe some of the pieces how you can improve your art so they kind of run the full gamut, and they also cover like every aspect of pop culture, you know. So, costume design, um, you know. So, an example of one would be um, before the Denver Pop Culture Con in 2019, we brought in students for a summer camp, where they created a character, built a costume around a character, and then performed that character at the con. So, wow. And the character had to be unique. It had to be something entirely designed by them, and some of the stuff that we got out of that. So. It's, it's that nice flow through of like pop culture has that next level amp up right. always available to folks. Um, and so we kind of do everything under the sun um, and we work with students from especially eight to about 18. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we're doing stuff all year round, including summer camps. We're working in schools for outreach workshops, um, doing things at Denver Public Schools, Jeffco, Douglas County, all over the the front range um, and then we do professional development trainings at sites and schools as well Um, and obviously bringing people around for community events and kind of giving them a chance to just be a community together and celebrate their favorite fandom and learn a little bit along the way so uh, I know everyone's probably been anxiously waiting for this question and what is the status of the con? Because we know Denver Comic Con, Pulp Culture Classroom Con, uh, is no longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it went through the renaming because of the settlement with San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the reason for the rebranding. And then um, now it is under the control or under the reins of the fan expo people, which mm-hmm. run multiple cons across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's, what's the situation or what's, what's the relationship now between the con and the classroom? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, I mean, just to kind of backtrack us to March of 2020, right? Yeah, which uh, is, let's, let's face it, the dark ages. The dark ages. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, a lot of listeners and, and folks probably know, um, you know, we had to cancel the 2020 con. Um, Which was painful. I mean, everybody was just, I mean, you have a con in your backyard to hear it canceled. That's that's defeating. Yeah, it was tough. And, you know, we were so close. Um, We were in July of that year. So you were you were this close and to have everything just like and and, um, if people were unaware at home, I mean, you guys moved the date. I mean, Mm -hmm. you were even trying to like, okay, we can we can push it out. We can we can buy some time and and even buying all the time in the world. It came down to. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Health and safety. I mean, you yeah, know, got to keep people healthy and safe. But so we had to cancel the 2020 con. Uh, we moved. We first we moved it, then we canceled it. Canceled the 2021 con. And so, um, as probably any event organizer, you know, will know, listening to this, it takes a lot of money just to get the event started. Correct. Um, so we were kind of looking down the oppor- the we were looking down to a future where we were going to kind of have to rebuild from you know year one kind of oh so like the bricks like all the way to the start wow Yeah, because i mean you think about all the refunds all of the exhibitors and attendees that we wanted to make sure we're honoring you know their commitment to the the event and the organization by making sure that we weren't you know telling them we'll see you in two years we will keep your money until then kind of thing yeah Um, there are a lot of people that are upset because there are cons across the country that we're not mm -hmm. refunding they're like no, we're just going to roll you over. And they're like, no, I want, I want my money back. <laughs> yeah, and so we obviously from a financial standpoint, you know, we were thinking about what does the future look like for this event? Um, and how do we continue to have this community-focused, locally-focused event that really brings all these folks together, the fans, in a, in a really big, meaningful way and also gives that kind of economic support for the artists, the vendors, the city, the hotels. So, you know, how do we keep this size and level of an event in the community 
while still maintaining the educational and the local focus. Right. Um, and you know, the, for us, when we were looking at that, we were really concerned that you know we won't have to be fighting against a con that might come in that would be, a, you know. To, to, and, and to, to name that con, it's Wizard World Con. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no mistaking. Yeah. I already knew Wizard was on the gate. They're yeah. they're they're pounding to get into Colorado because it is such a viable collector's market. Yeah, and instead of us starting from scratch and then kind of all, all of the cons trying to come in and cannibalizing each other, we thought the best opportunity we can bring back to this community is by forming a collaborative partnership with Fan Expo HQ. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the largest Comic-Con producer in North America and now the world. Um, I don't know if you know, they bought out Wizard World. They, they did buy out. Philly is the one of the big cons that they were after, and mm-hmm. I have worked with uh, FanX in the past and, yeah. and, and Wizard World, so I'm curious to see what they, what they come up with. Yeah, and so we pretty much are collaborating together on Fan Expo Denver. Um, so essentially, you know, they are looking to manage the day-to-day, the, the kind of um, logistics, um, the operational pieces of the event, um, you know, all of those kind of big um, financial kind of pieces as well as just kind of the, you know, securing of, of all the different folks who are part of the event. Right. And Pop Culture Classroom will be serving as the featured charity. Nice. Um, so, you know, we um, are involved behind the scenes, kind of helping put together the event. We're helping with some of the educational programming. So looking at bringing back our Educators Day program, which is very nice free day for educators to come, professional development all day long. And then, of course, um, cool stuff to be participating in on the show floor as well. So kind of a con experience built around a professional development day. We've got Experience the Comics, which is a program where we brought in school groups. So we're bringing in about 200 youth and um, their chaperones to get a free day of experiencing the con as we've done in years past. Very nice. And then we'll be continuing to run um, our Kids Lab program. And um, that's basically a big area on the show floor that's dedicated specifically to giving the con experience to those younger fans, to the families, to the folks who maybe don't see themselves necessarily as having a space at the event. And this is their place to be engaged with activities, you know, maybe meet a celebrity or two on the Kids Lab stage, maybe get to do some drawing, some board game play. Um, we've got some really cool programs that we're designing right now for that October weekend, uh, the Halloween weekend events. That's, that's looming out there. That I can not share right now, but nope. they will be very cool. We've got like no a live-action role-playing experience that we're building into the lab this year. Last that's t- cool. In 2019, we had a um, family-friendly all-ages puzzle room, which was an escape room designed for kids. Um, and so we're working really closely with them to make sure that, again, um, not only is all of that educational programming going to be part of the event and a, a really central focus, but that we're providing them the insights and the connections and the, the kind of local, local network of folks who helped build the event, who have been involved and supported it and advocated it for it for so long, and also looked at it as that really big um, yearly source of support for their art, their their um, their company, you know, whatever they might be doing, um, you know, their their book that they have coming out next year, and so um, we've so far been able to, you know, create what we feel is a really great, really like um, unique event that still hits on the same things that we've seen at Denver Pop Culture Con and Denver Comic Con past, but also, you know, because we are the feature charity and because we are able to focus a little more so on the educational pieces because, you know, some of the other pieces have sort of fallen to Fan Expo, you know, we can create even a better experience for those families and educators and young fans at the event. And then the funding that we raise through the event from Pop Culture Classrooms End goes directly back into the programs and community things that we're doing year-round. And so we wanted to really maintain, we wanted to maintain that local impact and that local focus. And then, of course, you know, our main number one thing is how do we take this big event and, and, and realize and use it to realize programming that inspires, engages, and connects kids and families and, and educators together. Well, I mean, if anything, it sounds like Fan Expo has definitely um, opened up the door for you guys to up your game because 
even like some of the preferences that you're you're kind of telling me and alluding at, I would I would love to spend a day just playing D and D with kids. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought the Zenith was having Adam West read a, a book to kids back in the day, but I mean, you guys have expanded so much more on just having them come and design uh, a paper plate. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you guys had like a whole interactive along the wall i mean it it was probably uh to put it in con breakdown it was probably at least 10 booths you know about just nine thousand square feet on the show floor which is again we've got this year it's a little smaller but we have a dedicated show floor space and our you know we want to create an opportunity for everyone to have a place they see themselves at the event Mm -hmm. i think a lot of um i don't mean to cast aspersions at any other event but i think that Often you see at events, you know, the kids zone is downstairs and then tucked away in a corner. Or if they even have a kids zone, I mean, one. I've been to cons that don't don't have kids zones, and you're like, wow, this is just this is horrible. <laughs> yeah, and educators too. You know, often it's at the library down the road, or maybe yep. it's offsite, or maybe it's two days before the event itself. You know, and so everyone has that element of pop culture that they are excited and engaged with, and like we said, everybody's nerdy about something. Exactly. So how do you create a welcoming and inviting space? in the convention center or in the show itself that brings those folks together into conversation with, you know, the educator with the artist or the artist with the young teen creator or the um, the teenager with the teenager who never have met before, would never otherwise be friends, but, man, they both love Iron Man. And suddenly they're in their cosplay for Iron Man and they're they're just going to spend the day together, like, having a good time. And I think that's an 80s movie. I, re- I think that <laughs> preference is an 80s film. Um, so if people want to get involved with this, how, where do they go? How do they volunteer? Are you taking volunteers? Absolutely. So we have... Um, as I mentioned, a bunch of programming at the event that we are 100% looking for volunteers for. We have a great volunteer crew, but we're always looking for more help. Um, and that would be like through our nonprofit. Um, so Fan Expo has their own crew mm-hmm. that they have managing the event who are kind of running the day-to-day aspects of the show. And then we have kind of specifically our kid-friendly, educator-friendly programming that we need support with. So um, popcultureclassroom.org slash volunteering um, is kind of the best place to go. Um, and, you know, you can sign up. You can look at the opportunities. Uh-oh. That's just me. My TARDIS is moving. <laughs> uh, you can you can sign up. You can see what the opportunities are both at Fan Expo and year-round. And okay. we're always looking for folks because, you know, again, we're thinking about, we're already thinking about how do we take what we're doing at the Fan Expo event, the funds we're raising, and putting it back into next year in terms of, programming right. opportunities events and so we always need help with that and really we need we need advocates you know we need people who are sharing that information to their school or their local teacher or their local library and saying this is a great program you should bring into your space because again we've seen the way in which our curricular units or our teacher-led programs or our professional development can help transform a space or the conversations being had around topics and subjects and there's some really cool things that um, we'd love to get some volunteers involved in and we encourage everyone to check us out and, um, and apply if you're interested because one of the images and we had a we had a hearty belly laugh because uh, I'm also you may not be aware but I know the fans probably listening uh, I am also part of the Colorado Ghostbusters yes and you swiped a picture of a group picture from one of the events that mm-hmm. we did so you've got Bixby Aaron Red and Devin all posed out for the Colorado Ghostbusters and when that showed up in my news feed, I laughed because I was like, I know right where that picture was taken, yep. and we were so excited to be involved. So the Colorado Ghostbusters did share the link. So if you can't find the link to be a volunteer, uh, go to the Colorado Ghostbusters page. The link is up there uh, to get more volunteers. But we are just like, they see you guys, you know, be able to, to like, yeah, we can pull this because you guys have so much uh, backing from the community and so many people have been involved and have, like, a huge love of this con. And yeah. I know everyone's pulling to get, you know, more to you guys. And I'm happy that uh, Fanax is partnered up with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're bringing a, a lot of great opportunities to the table as well. We're really excited about where the collaboration is heading. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I think that, you know, it's going to make for a bigger, better, more exciting show and a bigger, better, more exciting local and educational focus. So it's kind of like the, as we've been saying for the last year, it's like we got to have the tide lift all boats. And, yes. you know, instead of... Um, 
having someone come in maybe from out of state with running a con that pulls money from the local community doesn't have that educational focus you know this is an opportunity where we get to see the um, event continue to reinvest and have that economic impact and make meaningful um, inroads into the local community so that you know people still feel that connection and that community because as I said you know it takes a lot of money to put together an event and after you know 18 months of kind of a very difficult 18 months I should say an um, uncertain 18 months because yeah. we don't even know what tomorrow brings but here we are today and that's that's all you can do <laughs> yeah and we just feel really lucky you know there's been uh, many organizations like ours many events like ours that have just um, ceased to exist or shrunk down significantly and that in the end of the day you know really impacts those local folks the community that has relied on those funds or the economic impact for so long and so we're just really excited that we have the opportunity to um, to continue kind of having the same level of event and the same level of impact through this relationship so um, and you know to just throw the kudos at Fanex where they've been so great to work with and I think they're going to blow some some people's minds at the show this year I think if you haven't bought tickets yet I'd highly recommend it I would highly it. recommend and it every ticket you buy helps us as a nonprofit to really um, feed back into that community support all the programs we've been talking about which is which is encouraging cuz that that was like the one big fear I know I was speaking with other congoers in town they're like well you know Fan Expo why would they I mean, they they are very bottom line driven they're very profit we we don't we don't do this for free and like you said they're the largest across the country for a reason so mm -hmm. to see them contribute to the community and to do all of that for for pop culture is 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 tremendous that that's absolutely uh yeah. worth worth the dime mm -hmm. um so we're, we're we're october one October one. What do you what oh, do you Lord. got coming? <laughs> I mean, are we going to get more guest announcements? Are you guys making appearances at other locations? Uh, what's what's the plan before the con kickoff on the 29th? We are all at Pop Culture Classroom sequestered in planning <laughs> mode. Uh, you know, we've had since about July to get all of our ducks in a row, which and is still not enough time. <laughs> uh, Thirteen months is is enough time. Everything else is is not enough time, but. That being said, um, you know, we're, we're really building on a great plan for the event, some great programs. Um, we've got them all up on our website about what we'll be doing at the event. We actually still have applications open for Educators Day. Oh, okay. Um, but we're filled up on programs like Experience the Comics. We have groups coming in. Um, you know, we've got a really robust kids lab experience with some local and um, even national exhibitors kind of in, or partners, I should say, kind of featured in that lab. You know, folks even like, you know, um, I won't, I can't 100% confirm, but Denver Museum of Nature and Science and, right. uh, you know, uh, like Apex uh, Movement Gym, Ooh, which does yeah. parkour-related activities. And then, of course, just tons of cool stuff happening on the Kids Lab stage, including, like, some special guests and appearances. So Very we're just, cool. We're getting all of our ducks in a row for that. Um, and then, you know, uh, you know, the hope is that we're kind of about a week out from the event kind of in full sprint mode and ready to go but nothing really coming up soon from us in terms of like outside of fan expo denver but okay. we are doing as as i mentioned like workshops in schools and things all semester long so we've you know we've got programs happening all the time there so okay. we never really stop it's just we're you know right now we're just in that focus mode on the events yeah absolutely yeah. so Adam, where do they need to go if, you know, they're new to the community, if they're new to the podcast, if they're new to listening to you, where do they go to stock you to find out about uh, Pop Culture Classroom, about upcoming events, and how they can contribute and help and lend a helping hand to, to you guys? Yeah, so popcultureclassroom.org is our website. That's always the best place to kind of find out what we're doing, um, if we have a new educational comic that we publish, if we've got a new teaching guide out that we work with uh, you know, publishers from across the country. You know, we just finished up, um, you know, with Abrams doing a teaching guide on Fire Story, which is about um, a one man's experience going through the 2018 California wildfires. Oh, wow. Um, graphic memoir type. But we've always got new resources on there, new blog posts, new things that are coming out. Um, and then, of course, if you're interested in supporting us, the donate um, information is there. And then, um, you know, number one thing is they're always looking for volunteers and folks who can just spread the word and advocate for us and help us get into new spaces and really get in front of some new kids because we think that the things that we do have this really amazing opportunity to 
um, as I have been saying, all, all the last like 45 minutes is just transform these classrooms, really change some of those conversations and help kind of kids and adults get more engaged across the spectrum of different things that you know, they might be interested in, or maybe they don't even know they're interested they in. They don't even know. Yeah. Again, to know you like the game, you got to play. Yeah. So that's <laughs> popcultureclassroom.org. Um, and then, you know, for Fan Expo Denver, um, I believe the website is fanexpohq.com backslash Denver. It might be Fan Expo Denver, but if you just Google search Fan Expo Denver, I'm very certain you will find us. You're going to hit it pretty um, hard. <laughs> yeah. And they've got new guests, new folks that they're always announcing um, every week. And I know. I don't know exactly who, but I do know that, you know, they've got some, some pretty cool folks lined up. So they I'm do. excited to see who they have announced in the next month. Who, who do you want to see? Who would you like to see? Because now you're kind of in, you can kind of, you know, nudge. This is who I'd like to see. Who is that character? I'm a Marvel Cinematic Universe guy. So okay. I, would, I would take any of the main Avengers. <laughs> uh, but I, I've actually always been really interested in the creators behind some of those massive properties. So if I could, you know, pluck folks out of thin air and, and, you know, bring them to the event, it would be people like the J.J. Abrams or the James Cameron or mm. um, the Kevin Feige. Like, I, wanna, I would love to chew, I chew just, Kevin Feige's ear because I, I just, just have hours of yeah. conversation with that man. But, but I, want, I selfishly want to spend, like, 30 to an hour in a room just being like, so what about this? Where's this <laughs> stage four thing heading, right? Or J.J. Abrams just talking about, like, like what? What happened with Lost? <laughs> or, What's the deal with lens flares? Yeah. I mean, li- really? Come on, tell me. Help me out here. Yeah. Um, and so, like, just uh, you know, and then the, the, like, even like the the Rousseau brothers or folks like that. I just my personal, you know, as someone who kind of came up through the literature and the creative writing world for um, a lot of my educational stuff. You know, I'm always really excited and interested in the people who were kind of setting up all the dominoes and making everything happen and also creating kind of these massive stories that have such a huge impact and it's such a hard thing to combine all of these different elements together to make a meaningful story that you know you think about Shang-Chi and you think about not only them combining all the the Chinese cultural elements and the costume design and the, the folklore but like having to overcome like the you know to put it directly, like, racist beginnings of some of those characters. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of characters they couldn't bring in from the comic because yeah. it, literally and now it is a very racist term that you you don't want to use, and yeah. you will get, rightfully so, accosted because it is it is ignorant, and you don't, you don't say those things. Right. right. And the people who are reading... 30 years of comics and condensing it down to a story that, in, that engages modern audiences um, is, is something, you know, that I've always been interested in and also something that I feel like, you know, from a standpoint of our programming, we always try and make sure that's something we prioritize for kids because we want them to hear as best we can or learn as best they can about you know that this doesn't just happen overnight. You know no. these are multi. You got to put decades. in the time. Yeah, I mean, like some like Shang Chi, I know, has been tried to make be made like four times, a couple times. And so it's it's just a matter of um, I think for me, like wanting to kind of hear from the people who are are kind of beating the drum and keeping things moving and and helping make these monumental cultural impact um, like pop culture media elements. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What about you? Oh, I don't even... I don't know. I've met and seen almost everybody. Ooh, humble brag. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm just excited that we have a con, and if I get a chance to talk to anybody, yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm fine with... Uh, I don't know. I've had such a good interaction. One year for Denver Comic Con, I got to sit down and interview the two doctors. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was kind of... Actually, that was kind of a very cool thing. I'd love to sit down and talk to Tenet. If they, if you, you know, if I get the chance, uh, I spoke to Eccleson out in Chicago, and he is just absolutely just so genuine and so fun. I would love to sit down and just just have a moment with him. But I mean, I really, I'm gracious for any time that I could have with anybody. Yeah. So whether their status is is here or here, just to sit and get their perspective and like this, just chat yeah but i would i totally would jj abrams or feige oh my god him and i i could just see doing hours on comic book lore to see who who knows more i i, I mean that's what i want feige you're coming on the show we're comparing marvel knowledge yeah he'll probably kick my ass so <laughs> I, I think if there was if there's one like um 
like character that's been in the Marvel movies, but also I think Paul Rudd. I mean, I would, I would love, love to talk to Paul Rudd. Yeah, I just think I was watching a YouTube clip of him yesterday on Conan, where he does the the recurring bit with the 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 clip that he does with. I won't ruin it. Here, I'm going to I'm going to show you. If, here's a clip of my latest film. Yeah, yeah. He, he suckers him in every single time, yeah. and you, it's great. Search Paul Rudd Conan if you want a really great like 10 to 15 minute just laugh along video. But um, I, just like all that cool stuff that he does, and all the different properties he's been in, going everything. all the way back to like some of my favorite movies from the 90s, the 2000s, yeah. until now. Well, and it's funny because um, if two people that I find that would probably be the most fun and kind of uh, engaging, Paul Rudd and Jeremy Renner. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeremy Renner, I think, would be uh, absolutely great to just kind of sit down and just have a little little talk with, you know. Yeah. And I, I would, I, again, uh, I'm not picky. He dropped the music video He did. Yeah. I mean, the man is just kind of fun. He's all I over mean, the place. He did Tag, which I think is, like, one of the best, you know, comedies based on a true story and, and the, the, the camaraderie that's behind that so mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't know I guess it just depends on on the con and what what my opportunities opportunities are I mean yeah. we got um, take what you can get exactly <laughs> we, we we've got uh, the Grand Moff coming in for pop culture and I, I thought his best role was do the right thing him starring opposite Danny Aiello and I mean that was when I first discovered him so mm-hmm. I mean I would love to sit and talk to him about that film and yeah. and. Um, working with Spike Lee and, and all of the, the, the turmoil and everything that that film created. But, you know, his time on Breaking Bad. And he's just such a cool cat that I'd want to just, I just want to sit and just bullshit with him. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, there's, I could just, like, the list yeah, could go on. Yeah, the list on. is long. The list could go on. I would just, you Breaking Bad, I was like, oh, Brian Cranston, obviously. Cranston, yeah, like, Cranston's going to sit down. and I mean, Cranston would if, we, if you could afford him. Yeah. But the man is in such demand. I, oh, I know yeah. he would be very genuine, but at the same point, I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to suffer that price tag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always think about like like how much their time is worth per, oh, yeah. per hour, and I'm like, oh, like they wouldn't. They if wouldn't I could only to, charge those rates. <laughs> yeah, where do I where do I uh, may save up this money? Like you know, yeah. Uh, Adam, I guess that kind of brings us to an end. Is there anything else you would like to put out into the geek verse before I let you back out into the real world? The real world. Whatever um, that may be. Whatever that may be. <laughs> um, no, I would just say, again, uh, check out our website. Um, we love if anybody's willing to volunteer, spread the word about what we're doing. We've got some really cool things coming up for 2022, um, including some more community events um, all around the, the front range, kind of you know, engaging different organizations and folks in pop culture, so keep an eye out for that. Um, and we're hoping to relaunch next year um, what we call Colorful History, um, mm. So it's a, a series of educational comics we publish that focus on different events, figures, places throughout Colorado and U.S. history to help nice. kind of engage with kids. And then we're trying to really um, continue pushing that along and, and even creating like uh, teaching guides around you know not only graphic novels but video games, board games, and things like that. So our focus is again direct impact in the community, but also. Um, trying to provide those resources that people can just have at any time and use how they want. And so keep an eye on our website. It's the best way to kind of stay tuned and also sign up for our newsletter. Um, And then if you really want to stay engaged, we'll keep you updated for sure as a volunteer. Nice. There you go. Get in on the inside, volunteer, help out the home team, help out Adam. Bring us to your classroom, to your school, to your library. We've got tons of cool stuff we can do, and we're always ready to, to make it work. Um, for whatever population we're working with. And you never know, maybe I'll even show up just to help the festivities along. There we go. (laughs) Um, So that, I guess, covers it for this week. As always, give us a like, give us a share. Please go over to Pop Culture Classroom and show them the same generosity. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night. Thank you.